Welcome to episode five of the Hypnotoad podcast on the College Sports Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your co-pilot, it's your quarterback on today's episode. It's Andrew Zimmel spending a little bit of time with you as we get ready, as we get closer to the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve, December 31st. I had to put it in the calendar. December 31st, Fiesta Bowl, 3 p.m. kickoff as the Horn Frogs take on the Michigan Wolverines. Now, we have a lot to cover until then. we got to talk about matchups, game previews. All of that will be coming on later episodes. Next week, we'll break down matchups. The following week, leading up to the game, we'll go through a full game preview of what we can expect from the Fiesta Bowl and why I think TCU will win the game because I very much think that TCU can get it done. They open up as a 6.5-point underdog. I think that line's moved a little bit. But no matter, we will talk about that next week because it is award season time. And TCU took a ton, a ton of hardware home, including Max Duggan coming in second for uh, the Heisman Trophy, a trophy that we've talked plenty about on this podcast. Was I disappointed he lost? Sure. Was it expected? A little bit. But hey, coming in second is nothing to turn your nose up at. And of course, Sonny Dykes taking home every single Coach of the Year award that you could possibly think of. I think that he is going to have more awards on his uh, Mantle than probably any other first-year coach at a school in the history of college football. But speaking of coaches, we got to start off with a somber note. I want to start this off by saying that this is one of the coaches that I uh, wish that I could have interviewed the most. I think that there's a lot of coaches throughout the history, the halls of sports. You know, you, you think about Casey Stengel for the Yankees. Think about Bear Bryant or Tom Landry. You want to talk to those guys. You want to pick their brain. You want to interview them. Nobody stood higher on my Mount Rushmore of great interviews than Mike Leach, who passed away right before we started recording this podcast at 61 years old. So I did want to take a moment to uh, show appreciation to Mike Leach, who a lot of Horn Frog fans might remember uh, had one of the biggest comebacks in Texas Tech history when the Red Raiders went down 21-0 to TCU and then came back and won 70-35. to Yeah, it was a uh, massive comeback. Mike Leach's fingerprints are all over this TCU coaching staff, including on Sonny Dykes, who was a an assistant for his at one point, as well as on some of the plays. Now, college football fans who are just coming to the great uh, well <laughs> of college football. There's a lot of history here. There are days, there are seasons that you can watch any given game in the Big 12 and now in the SEC as well, where you can see Mike Leach's playbook all over the field. You can see it not only in the amount of young coaches who probably grew up watching Leach's offenses. You can see it on the older coaches who went to the coaching clinics for the air raid offense. The air raid offense has changed the way that football is played, not only at the college level, not only at the NFL level, but it's changed the way that you play video games. I remember the air raid offense coming to the NCAA video games, the old college football games on Xbox, and playing with those teams and playing with those offensive systems and just throwing the ball all over the field and thinking to myself, these are video game numbers, and then turning on the uh, afternoon college football game with Texas Tech playing, and then Mike Leach's offense putting up even better numbers than I did in the video game. I think the thing that I'm going to miss the most about Mike Leach are the quotes, right? His family, of course, is going to miss him. You know, he was, he was a guy that had a, a lot of love and support, not only in the Mississippi State fan base 
or the Washington State fan base and then the Texas Tech fan base. It was just all over college football. That is, they're missing a, a legend uh, for this upcoming season. And it's a real shame because he was really turning around that Mississippi State program. Um, but the thing I think that he would want us to do, right, Mike Leach, famous for quotes, I think the thing that he would want us to do the most and what he would tell us if he could is to appreciate and love those while you still can, right? I, it's an old saying goes, you never get your flowers until your funeral, right? There's, there's so many times where we will say to somebody, you know, all the things that we wish we could have said to them when they were still around. And I think that we're lucky enough with Leach that I think he knew how much we appreciated him as a, a college football head coach. I think we, we, he knew that we as a college football fan, dumb, loved his quotes and, and loved his offense, loved him. So I'm, I think in that regard, we are lucky. But to anybody out there, who is, you know, maybe beefing with a sibling or a relative as we get closer and closer to the holiday season, I, I, this is a good time to take some pause maybe and, uh, you know, appreciate those and love on those guys that you still have around. All right, we're done. We're done with the somber stuff. Let's talk about the Big 12 first team. Now, TCU did something that no team since the 9 yeah, I got that right. The 9 Texas Longhorns did, and that has put nine guys on the first team. So, is it surprising that the first team since the 9 Texas Longhorns to go 12-0 in the regular season got this many guys on the first team? No. What surprises me, however, was that the unanimous selection. Now, I love Max Duggan, and we'll get into the guys who, who also were named on the first team, but Max Duggan got the unanimous Big 12 Player of the Year also was named to the first team quarterback position. I was kind of surprised by that. Not because I don't love Duggan, and you know, I, there's plenty that I have a lot of recordings talking about how much this kid is incredible and the way he moves down the field, the composure, the fact that he wasn't even a starting quarterback to start the year, that he comes in week one after an injury, takes over, and then ends up in New York. You know, there's a lot of things you can love about that resiliency. There's a lot of things that you love as a fan about somebody that can just take over the team and just run with it. But what surprised me was that the unanimous selection. Because I thought for sure there was going to be another guy that was going to get some some love. And I thought it was going to be Quinn Ewers in, uh, at Texas, who got banged up a little bit, did not play uh, the entirety, or not the entirety of the season. He missed parts of the season, whereas Duggan didn't miss any of the season. So I understand that. But I was surprised that the voters can all unanimously voted him uh, first team. And I think that kind of says where TCU's respectives as the Big 12 landscape is changing. As Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, there's going to be a power vacuum, but I don't think that the Horn Frogs are going to let that vacuum happen. You know what I mean? Like Sonny Dykes, he just signed a contract. We'll get into that in a moment as we talk about all his awards. But he signed a contract to go through 2028. And as Cincinnati and UCF and all those teams come into the Big 12, and as Kansas State tries to get their footing after winning the Big 12, taking down TCU in the Big 12 championship game, and they're looking at it as, okay, this is our conference to win. The fact that the voters, the Big 12 voters, the AP voters, voted Duggan as a unanimous, I think that that says a lot about the respect that TCU is, is getting as we can continue to go forward. All right, here, here they are. Allen, uh, center, your starting center for the first team Big 12, Allen Alley. Uh, Steven Alva was a guard, and this is the ones where it gets kind of interesting. So wide receiver, Quinn Johnson was voted as a uh, first-teamer. He was number five 
in receptions, number three in yards, and number six in touchdown catches. He had 903 yards on the season with five TDs. And uh, Kendry Miller had over 1,000 yards on the ground, 1,300 yards on the ground, and 17 TDs. He was also named as a first-teamer, along with Griffin Kell, the place kicker. Now, on the defensive side of the ball is where things get really cool because uh, Trevelyus Hodgins Tomlinson, who you might remember is the nephew of TCU legend LaDainian Thomason. He was named to the first team. He also won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in the nation, and he was named to the All-American team. Now, what's cool about that is I think that this is going to be a guy, and as we go further and further uh, into the, this month and we talk about matchups and stuff, this is going to be the guy that's going to be the X factor in that Michigan game because if you remember – the only game that Michigan really had been pushed all season was the Ohio State game. And the reason that Ohio State lost the way that they did in that rivalry was because they were putting guys on islands trying to stop the run. Now, I don't think TCU's defense, the run defense especially, is as good as Ohio State's is. And I don't think that they're going to sell out as much to stop the run as Ohio State did. But if you've got to put somebody on the island, uh, Tomlinson is not a bad guy to pick. Okay, he, he got voted uh, one of the best defensive backs in the country. I think he was top 15 in the country for defensive backs, which is saying something. But Pro Football Focus also graded him. That's what I mean. He won the Jim Thorpe Award. The voters picked him as the best defensive back in the country. But I'm saying Pro Football Focus, that is does a lot of the analytical stuff. They, they look really into the numbers, which, you know, if you're one of those guys that thinks the numbers sometimes lie or can get fibbed a little bit, I understand where you're coming from with that. Pro Football Focus, for the most part, okay, for the most part, has been pretty solid when it comes to giving out these ratings. And uh, Tomlinson was voted and graded as the best defensive back in the Big 12. So I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like uh, when that matchup happens on New Year's Eve. Because this is the type of guy, got votes, voted first team, all Big 12 defense. He, uh, I think he got votes for Defensive Player of the Year as well. Um, so the, it's going to be somebody that you're going to keep an eye on. On the other side of the field is Josh Newton, uh, and linebacker D. Winters was also named as a first-teamer in the Big 12. TCU had the number one offense and the number four defense in the Big 12 this season, uh, and along with Max Duggan. So those nine first-teamers for the Horned Frogs. On the second team, all-purpose, Davis, uh, Davis and linebacker Johnny Hodges, they were both named to the second team. Very cool stuff, uh, as always. Duggan became the first quarterback. This is another one that I kind of was surprised by. He became the first quarterback to be named the player of the year since Kyler Murray in 2018. Now, 2018 doesn't feel that long ago, but it was four years ago. And it kind of surprised me that a guy like Jalen Hurts didn't win it. Uh, I, I, you know, like, again, you take you take it. You're cool with it. I'm, I'm very much good with him winning player of the year. Robinson out of uh, Texas, he was a first teamer as well. Uh, I, I thought that Bijante Robinson had a, had a chance to win Player of the Year, uh, just because of how dynamic he was. He was a early, early, early call to win the Heisman Trophy, and of course, he didn't get invited uh, to New York. But yeah, I, I mean, first quarterback to win it, very cool. And then the second thing is he's the second quarterback out of TCU to win the award. Uh, Boykins won it in fourteen, which is funny. I, I'm kind of surprised. I, I don't know. I'm not going to put a you know, a label on anything here. But it's kind of curious to me that Duggins does not get the comparisons 
to Boykins as much. And I understand it's because Trayvon Boykins was a, a dual-threat quarterback who could do it with his legs, also could do it with his arm. The TCU offense at that time was throwing the ball all over the field. Boykins also could run a really sick option play. I'd love to see what he would look like in today's uh, college football as you have the RPO. The RPO has really taken over a lot of teams. I'd be curious to see what he would look like. Um, and I understand that you're not going to get comparisons from the athleticism. But the fact that all this year, I haven't heard a ton about the comps during the broadcast between Boykins and uh, Duggins. It really, I don't know, doesn't shock me, but it is something that I've, I've noticed uh, going forward. And now let's talk about head coach Sonny Dykes, who has won almost, I think, every single award that you could win for coaching this year. He is the first coach to win the award as the Big 12 Coach of the Year in his first season at the helm. He also was named, all right, you ready for this? This is a mouthful. The 2022 Walter Camp National Coach of the Year, the CBS Coach of the Year, the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coach of the Year, and, of course, the Home Depot Coach of the Year. Presented to the best coach in college football, the winners include Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and, of course, Gary Patterson in 2014. Now, what's curious, Gary, of course, took a step down after 21 years at the helm at TCU, left after a 5-7 and seven season, and Sonny Dykes comes in and wins this award, takes TCU to the playoffs for the first time after a 5-7, and seven, gets to a playoff berth. Very impressive. And then, of course, Garrett Riley. I never would have thought that I would be rooting for one of uh, the Riley brothers. Lincoln Riley has been a thorn in my side for years. I thought for sure that USC was going to get in the playoffs. But, of course, it seems like Lincoln Riley's teams always come up short in big moments. Isn't that something to kind of hang your hat on? I don't know. Makes me happy now that he's not in the Big 12 anymore. But Garrett Riley, his brother, he won the top assistant, which kind of makes me feel like he's probably going to be a head coach somewhere. Not this, Maybe not this offseason, but for sure next offseason something again to keep your eye on as we get closer and closer to uh the national championship because all these coaches are are going to get poached you're going to start hearing different things the one guy you're not going to hear anything about though is Sonny Dykes and I talked about this a little earlier he was rewarded with a contract extension he's going to be around till 2028 now I was doing some math in my head trying to figure out what the 2028 football season would look like I thought that by 2020, we would have flying cars. That was not the case. I'm going to blame the pandemic for that. I, I think that the pandemic stopped us from really achieving our goals. We were on the one-yard line to get flying cars. Now I don't know where we're on with it. Uh, but what is the college football going to look like in 2028? Well, here's my bold prediction. I think by 2028, TCU will have multiple Big 12 championship awards. I think that we'll have not awards. I think that we'll have multiple conference championship trophies, especially as the conference gets more and more interesting. We're hearing word that some of the Pac-12 teams, they might be moving around. We'll see what happens as Dion takes over Colorado. I would love to have Colorado back into the uh, Big 12, but 2028 is the contract extension for Sonny Dykes, and I'm excited for him. I'm very happy for him, but he is. This is the, the other thing I wanted to mention. With, with winning the coach of the year, the unanimous coach of the year in the Big 12, he is now the first father and son duo to win the award. Now, this is something that did not even cross my mind until I read the press release from the official uh, TCU football account. This didn't even cross my mind that Spike Dykes, who coached at Texas Tech, he won the award in 96. Sonny Dykes, in his first year at TCU, he wins the Big 12 Coach of the Year Award. They are the first father and son duo to win it. Now, that is something 
that is very very cool i i would really much uh really i really enjoyed that really like that lastly i do want to mention that uh if you missed the heisman ceremony it was a very good one uh, it was a long one. Every time, I, every year, I forget how long the Heisman ceremony is. I think that they could probably slim that down and chop it down a little bit for us because it feels like it kind of drags a, a, a lot. Um, Caleb Williams won, USC quarterback. We talked about the pros and cons of him winning last episode. Talked about what can we expect from Duggan. Would he have a chance to win it? I personally was would have voted for him. I thought that he had the best season. Uh, Caleb Williams did not look good in the Pac-12 championship, whereas Duggan looked like he was the only guy on the TCU sideline that was felt like they were in it the whole time. I would have voted Duggan. I understand that he didn't. He comes in second. There is a lot of awards for second place, including the David O'Brien or Davey O'Brien Trophy that uh, Duggan won. So he has some hardware to go on the mantle place too. But again, the most important hardware for the Frogs of this season is winning the national championship and winning the Fiesta Bowl, which happens on the 31st 3 p.m we will have that uh podcast for you we'll have a reaction to it as well coming up in the next couple weeks next week matchups against michigan you don't want to miss out thank you guys again for listening to the hypno toad podcast on the heartland college sports podcast network